Amen. Psalms 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. He founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. They will receive blessing from the Lord and their vindication is from God, their Savior. Such is the generation for those that seek him, for those that seek your face. Lift up your heads. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, and the King of glory may come in. It's who he is, the King of glory, the Lord Almighty. When we lift up our heads, when we open up the doors of our hearts, we create a space where God can occupy. The King of glory is here to build your life and to grow you. Amen? Amen. Can we welcome our online church community? We love you so much. And particularly the men who are watching right now at our service at Lansing Correctional. We love you guys so much. It's amazing. How we feeling? We feeling super? I dress like y'all today. For some of you, this has been your gear for 22 weeks of the year. Your Sunday fit is always red and white and a little bit of gold. It's good to have you in church today. Say what's up to your neighbor, grab your seat. We're gonna jump into the Word. We've been in this series starting the year, talking about the culture of the kingdom of God, but not just God's kingdom, this church, Kingdom City. If it's the way that God works and the way that he operates, if that's his culture, that Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God is here and coming, that we want the kingdom of God to be here in this house, and we wanna be coming more alive to that culture to the world around us. Uh, God's culture, God's way of doing things, how he operates, how he works. Our heart is that this house would be a place where heaven would show up, but it wouldn't stay here. That the culture of heaven would so work into our world and into our life, it would so change us that we can't help by just being who we're called to be in the world out there that we would bring change. We talked about week one that Jesus is our culture. If it doesn't look like Jesus, honor Jesus, help us become more like Jesus then we wanna push away to the culture of the world and step into the culture of the kingdom. Uh, Pastor Liz brought such a great message. My wife brought a message on destiny is a daily decision, that these holy habits open up access to God's best in our life. Destiny doesn't just show up one day when, it shows up every day when we work God's ways into our life. Unity is our strength, we talked about. In a world so divided, we're different than the world because we're united about what matters the most. Faith is our focus as a church. That we don't just see problems, we also see through the lens of God's perfecting us through what we're pushing through by holding on to his promises. And if it ain't good yet, God ain't done yet, amen? amen? And we talked about last week that serving is a spirit in this house that we carry. Serving is an honor. And we saw 100 people say yes to serving. Can we just thank the worship team, the production team, the host, the kids, Kingdom Kids workers, everyone who makes church happen. It's because they carry that, that culture. And we're going to close out this series, and next week uh, uh, we're going to kick off a, a series on covenant and relationships. And I honestly think it's some teaching that will transform your relationship with God and your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids. And if you're in a dating relationship, your friend relationships, as we dig in to God's best in relationships, I know it will grow your life. But I want to close out with, uh, with, with one of our culture points that I think carries um, a little more weight to it. Can we handle a weighty sermon? In fact, the Hebrew word kavod, kavod, it, it, it means weight. It, it actually is translated as importance, heaviness, can be translated as respect and, and honor. The word majesty can be used, but more often than not in our Bibles in the Old Testament, kavod is translated as the word glory. The glory of God. What gives God's Glory. In fact, Liz kind of coined this phrase about three years ago. In our staff, we would talk about it, and it's kind of just worked its way into our, the soil of our church family. And one of our culture points, it's God's glory or nothing at all. And I want to unpack that the best I can, although I think it is a deeper understanding. You're going to have to chew on it for a while. 
that when we, uh, what we walk into, what we walk in together, where we want to work and let God work in our life, if it doesn't glorify God, if the end goal is that he gets like the praise and the acclaim, if it doesn't honor him, then it's not the best use of our time and our attention. And so we would just draw a line in the sand of our heart and say, hey, we want to step in to a kind of life, a lifestyle, self-leadership, spirit-led life that glorifies God or we don't want to be about it. God's glory are nothing at all. So the end goal in everything is to bring honor and glory to the only one deserving. So in all that we do, we have to leave room for, for him to get the credit. He gets the praise and what honors him is our priority. Hebrews chapter 10, I'm sorry, chapter two, verse 10, the author of Hebrews says, God is the one who made all things, and all things for his glory. The, the New Testament written in Greek, that's the word doxa, that would collect, connect to the Old Testament word kavod. He wanted to have as many children, that's why God's in to kingdom expansion, and many children who would, what, share in his glory. That one day in eternity, we are gonna share in his glory at a level we can never understand fully here on the earth. But in the meantime, even in the here and now, even in the grind of life, there's still the glory of God that wants to show up, not just in a church service and not just in a baptism tank at the end of the service, but in your daily life as you glorify God, the weight of his glory transfers into your life as well. God's glory are nothing at all. Can we go after that together today? And I'm telling you, take notes today. The scriptures will be coming at you real quick because I want you to not just listen. I want you to go and learn. What does it look like to live a life that says God's glory or I'm not about it or nothing at all? Amen. Can we pray? Come on, join me in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity, the privilege to get into your word together as a family as a family of faith, as a community of faith. For those online, the men of Lansing, I thank you that there's no separation of your spirit when the scripture goes out and we have hearts that are open like we just read from Psalms 24. We lift up our heads, we open up the gates of our life so that the king of all glory can come in and that he changes us, he grows us, he matures us, he shapes us more into the image of his son, Jesus. I think at the end of this message, we're not gonna just know more about glory, we're gonna be more hungry for the glory of God. We're gonna see more of heaven's glory invading earth through our life, through our leadership, through our church. And Lord, we thank you that all that you're doing. And we thank you though, we walk through the, the, the valley of the shadow of death in Sin City tonight. There's victory for the chiefs in Jesus' name. Can I get a big loud kingdom amen? <laughs> loudest amen of the year. Loudest amen of the year. Hey, last Valentine's, this time last year, last Valentine's Day, I, I, I went above and beyond. Um, I booked a hotel room downtown for, for Liz and I, just Liz and I, but the Chiefs had to go and win the Super Bowl. And so what we thought would be so romantic um, was sharing our small little room with our three children. And then the next morning on Valentine's Day, we, were, we went to the Super Bowl parade. And I'm telling you, the atmosphere um, was electric. I wouldn't say it was all just love. I would say there was also a lot of liquor. Um, <laughs> Our children were there hearing words they don't often hear. The smell of fireball lingered in the air. Nothing more intimate than being surrounded by 10,000, 100,000, uh, how do I say this kindly, lively fellow Kansas Cityans. And yes, I saw some of you there and just because you avoided eye contact with me doesn't mean you aren't still busted in, in the doghouse, I'm just kidding. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You know, after the win tonight, the players get a ring, Arrowhead gets a banner, we get a t-shirt, um, but the season starts again. Okay, nothing's gonna take away last year's ring. For the annuals of history, we won that Super Bowl, right? This one tonight, I believe, as we win it, um, it's ours. But, but a season starts Monday. The draft is in April. The preseason kicks off. Before you know it, we're back to, are the Chiefs gonna do it again? And then we have a, another season. And although it is a, a small moment in history, it doesn't last for forever. But when God is involved in our lives, when God, when we say things like, God, your glory or nothing at all, it's not just to sound romantic or poetic. It's a posture of our heart that says, 
God, if you aren't exalted in what we're involved in, then we're not gonna give it all of our hearts, our time, and attention. We want your glory because what you're involved in matters for forever. With another season on the horizon, we want every season of our life to give more glory to God than the season before. See, we focus on God's glory because when we focus in that place, it changes us to be the kind of people that live a life of significance that lasts in every season. It's like the Bible says in Psalms 1, those that are planted by the rivers of living water. They're like a tree that bears fruit in every season. And when God's glory is for your attention and you give it your affection and you give him your praise, you're gonna produce in the earth you're gonna produce fruit. The fruit of the Spirit will be in your life. And that kind of fruit will change you, it'll change the world around you, so what we end up being involved in is something that doesn't just last seasonally, it lasts eternally, it lasts for forever. Because God's in the forever business. He existed before all, he will remain after all, and he's got some glory, he's got weight to him. The Westminster Creed Confession, this Christian declaration of faith that the saints and the church leaders from hundreds of years ago brought together, they kicked off the, the, the whole confession of being in unity as a church, what did it mean to really follow Jesus? It says the, the chief, okay, right there, they already got it right. They put the chief. <laughs> the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. In fact, what we're about is to know God, his love, to glorify God and to enjoy God forever. Now, there's all sorts of people that have lived a life that is noteworthy, that is maybe even praiseworthy, not worthy more praise than God, but they're worth acclaim, they're worth Hall of Fame kind of level careers. Uh, we'll look at Michael Jordan or LeBron James. They have legacy careers. Wasn't just one season, wasn't just one good game, wasn't just one big shot. It's like dominance for, for decades. Serena Williams, Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods, Nolan Ryan, Brady Mahomes, right? These goats, we call them. The greatest of all time. Now what they have is talent, and they also have is time where they worked on their gifting. They worked on their ability. Jordan, and most of the people are good at like one thing. Jordan was good at basketball, not so much at baseball. Okay, got a lot farther than you and I would have got, but you know what? That wasn't his thing. Tiger Woods is good at golf, maybe not as much as marriage, no judgment there. I actually saw Serena Williams like 20 years ago at a bowling alley in Los Angeles. She's great at grand slams, but there were a few gutter balls. But I'm gonna be honest with you, she threw that ball a whole lot harder than I could. She was, she's mighty. And we know the story, like Jordan got cut from his freshman team. I mean, the greatest player, right, got cut. And then he worked hard. And he disciplined himself. And that, 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 that effort with his talent elevated him in that one, one place. Now our God and his church it isn't for just one season, it's the forever thing that we're into. And he is great at everything, all the time, for all of time. He doesn't get better, he's already the best. He doesn't need coaching, he is the coach. Nothing outward adds to him, and yet he's invited us into his kavod. He's invited us to bring glory to him. He's invited us to share, as his children, the glory with him. He's in such a loving perspective of his people that he has more than enough weight and glory to transfer some of that on your life. And I am praying and believing that in this season, not just in talent, but in time, in testing, in training, that the glory of God would show up as the culture of this church. And if it doesn't glorify God in the highest then we don't elevate it in the greatest in our life. Even think about Jesus, how he closes out the Lord's Prayer. In one of the Gospels, he says, for thine is the kingdom, and thine is the power, and thine is the glory forever. So what does that mean? What is the, the glory of God? Well, the glory of God is honestly just who he is. It's his personality, it's his presence, it's his perfection, it's his purpose, it's his plans, it's his power, you need more alliteration, it's his promises. It's everything that God is, is is glorious, and yet he reveals his glory to us throughout the scripture. He reveals his glory. At creation, he shows his glory. Psalms 19, verse one, 
uh, the heavens declare, that might be Psalms 119, I might have got that wrong. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. The sun that is shining, and by the way, as bad as January is, how good is February? Hello, you don't think your prayer and fasting changed the atmosphere of our weather? Just kidding. The sun is, is burning 90, what, 3 mi million miles away? It's a 17-year plane ride to get there at full speed. We would know that we would burn up before we ever got close to it, especially if you're a ginger. I'm trying, not to, I'm trying to get farther away from the sun, not closer. It was spoken into life by the voice of a glorious God. It is a magma ball of fire that ignited and is still burning throughout all of time. It would take 1.3 million Earths to fit into the size of the sun, and yet the largest known star would take 5 billion suns to fit into it, and God just created it with his voice. That's what glory is like. That's how big our God is, and yet how personal he is that he cares about every son and daughter and what you're walking through. In Eden, we see his plan for humanity to be in a place of perfection, a place of unity, a place without sin. And one day when he restores heaven and earth, we'll be in that atmosphere and we'll give glory to him forever. He did it in Exodus where he delivered his people by his power and glorious hand. All of the 10 plagues were a direct attack against the gods of Egypt to show that there is no one greater than our glorious God. And in that Exodus journey, he actually revealed his glory to Moses at a level he had never revealed to anyone else up to that point. Let's look at the passage, Exodus 33. Moses had the audacity, I love this, and I hope that this is your prayer. Now, God, show me your glory. God, I want to see what you're really like. God, I want to see you go to work. I want to see who you really are. And he says, okay, I will allow you to see my goodness. I'm going to pass in front of you. I'm going to proclaim my name. I'm going to show you who I really am. I'm going to be the Lord in your very presence. I'm going to have mercy on who I have mercy. I'll have compassion on who I have compassion on. But he said this, you cannot actually see my face and live. It's too much. It's too much for you. I'll tell you the rest of the story. God kind of puts him in a crevice in the rock. He puts his hand over him. And God says, I'm going to pass by. And right as I'm passing by, almost like the vapor trail of an airplane, I'll then lift my hand, and you could see, like, where I was. And just seeing where he was, as Moses came down the mountain, he was so illuminated, like Jesus in the Mount of Transfiguration, that they didn't know what to do with him. In fact, the ordinary people that hadn't experienced the glory of God, the people that weren't up on the mountain, were like, whoa, 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 that's too much for us to bear. Because he was changed in that moment of seeing God's, God's glory. Now, we do get to see God's face. We don't see it face to face, but we see it in Scripture. Because God's glory is fully revealed in Jesus. If you want to know what God's glory looks like in the culture of the world, it looks like Christ. The Bible says he's the visible form, the visible, you can see him face to face form of the invisible, unseen God. John chapter 1, verse 14, in John's gospel, it says, the word, that's Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling. He came and live among us. It's a message paraphrase. It says he, he put on skin and bone and he came into our world. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came for the father. What is he? Full of grace and truth. When we look at the life of Jesus, we see what glory does on the earth. That's what the heart of the church is, by the way, right? We're the body of Christ now, 2,000 years later. That where we go, the hungry are fed, the sick are healed, the, those in bondage are delivered, demons tremble, the kingdom is proclaimed, the prideful are brought low, the humble are elevated. This is what glory looks like in the kingdom and, and in the church. In fact, glory is to be seen in the church. We should, we, not in our own perfection, but because of the goodness of God, we should demonstrate the glory of God to the world around us. Ephesians 3, you know the verse 20, but maybe you don't know verse 21, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, the church. And to him be the glory, where? In the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. It says that he wants to do so much more through us and in us to show Jesus the glory of God to the world around us. And it's for the eternal things that we're fighting for. Now, one day we will see his glory, like I said earlier. We'll share in it for forever in eternity. 
But right now, do you know that the glory of God isn't just something that we give to him? It's something that is in us. It should be in us. That's what 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 says. It says, the glorious riches, this mystery that is Christ in you is this hope of glory. When they see Christ in you, it's just a glimmer of the future glory of God. So when we say it's God's glory or nothing at all, that means our everyday life can glorify God. That means every gathering we have, whether it's small in a kingdom crew, is at the, the Her Future Bible study on Wednesday nights, whether it's in a rally before service, whether it's in a prayer meeting, whether it's a gathering on Sunday, that God's glory shows up. But it also shows up when we're out in the workplace and when we walk into a room. Colossians chapter one, verse 27, Apostle Paul boils it down. And he says, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, you must do it all for the glory of God. Your everyday life is God's glory or nothing at all. I got five things for you. I think some of them will challenge you. Maybe all five of them will be applicable. I promise you there's at least one that God's gonna put in your heart that like, I gotta get to work on that. There's an area of my life that I can move some things out of the way and realign to him to get the priority and to him to get the praise so that the glory in me can, can grow, so the weight of God can transfer. Uh, I, I think they'll, they'll speak to you. The first one is you've got to first and foremost, and I know it sounds so basic, but there's so many believers that this isn't your focus, so therefore God's glory isn't your future, is that I have to go all in on God. Your, your Sunday 11 a.m. attendance or watching online right now, this is your date with God. That's great. But we're not just dating, it's, we're the bride of Christ. We're in this thing till the end. We're committed in this relationship. We're going all in, not partially, not holding back praise. No, we go all in. We give ourselves to God completely. This is called worship. This is called our worship. Our worship is not the songs that we sing on a Sunday. Our worship is our acclaim to the God who is worthy of all praise. If you want weight on your life, you come and lift weight in the room. When we show up to sing, make it a priority. I'm not just saying this for those that get here a little late. You come to that 1117 service, that's cool. But you're missing a glory moment. Not when they sing the songs that you like. Not when Jutson hits a low voice and you like it. No, we, we're not coming here for us. Gosh, does it feel good to worship? Why? Because when I transfer weight on him, he shows and brings weight on me. He pours some glory back on, on me. First Chronicles of the Old Testament, chapter 16, says, give the Lord the glory he deserves. Not the glory you feel like giving in the moment. It's not about what you want to bring. It's about an all-in offering to the one that deserves it. Bring your offering and come and worship him. Worship the Lord in all of his holy splendor. Even when life is a struggle, we still have something to worship him about. We're all in people. When asked what's the most important way you could obey God, what's the best way you could follow God? Jesus, why don't you roll it into like one phrase for us? Mark chapter 12, what's the greatest commandment? He says the most important commandment is this, to love the Lord your God but with, with all all in, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and all of your strength. We're not just loving him on Sunday, we worship throughout the week. We're all in, heart, soul, mind, strength. In other words, give yourself completely to God. Would you like to be closer to God? Oh, I hope the answer is a resounding yes. But if you feel distance, the drift did not happen because God decided, you know what? They're not worth pursuing today. I'm gonna play hard to get. God's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get her heart, I'm gonna play bad boy for a moment. Act like I don't care, I'm gonna, let, I'm gonna leave him on red. No, God's always in pursuit of your heart. God's always in pursuit of who you are. God's always as close to you as you will allow him to be. If you feel far away, it ain't God's fault. I'm not saying you haven't gone through some stuff and difficulties might have not overshadowed the goodness of God for a moment in your perspective, but I think if you can even look back and see who he's been up to this point, you realize, oh, he's not the one that's moved away. I've moved away. 
even in the busyness, listen, even in the busyness of being a part of church. That's what we read in that Revelation passage about the church that was doing everything they could to show the world God, and yet their hearts had gotten separated. Are you all in today as you were that one day? Or is there some area where maybe you've gone adrift and the glory is a little distant? We have to go after God's glory. Because you want God's glory on you, right? I know I do. I want it on our church. I want it on my life. I want it on my marriage. I want it on my family. I want God's glory. But more than like I'm asking for God's glory, the truth is when I give him glory, listen, when I'm a conduit of praise, when I bring my offering of praise, when I bring my first fruits of my life, when I give him my first and my best, I, I, I kind of like, like the Old Testament, when they we burn something on the altar, the, the smoke would rise. And as that rose, then the, a blessing would fall. Forgiveness would come. Healing would come on the altar of my life. Didn't we just sing that? Christ, you be magnified in my life. As I glorify you, as I praise you, something happens here. So it's what goes through you then gets on you. Let me give you a Kansas City explanation. You go to your barbecue joint, not the fancy one, the hole-in-the-wall one, the OG one you grew up going to, and you're there for more than four minutes, even to get takeaway, and you walk back in the office, you walk back in your classroom, and you, they know where you went to eat. They can smell the smoke on you because you were in an atmosphere that has the, the fire, that has the taste, that has the, the aroma of that place. It lingers in the atmosphere. The same as when we live a life giving praise on the altar of our lives. What we're giving up doesn't just only go up, it also begins to change us. And so when we walk into a room, as we've been in the atmosphere of worshiping, giving God glory, the weight of God brings transfer in authority and strength, stability, and the kingdom of God everywhere that we, everywhere that we go. And at the beginning of the year, everyone's trying to lose weight. And we got on that fast in January, um, and I went all in, and so now I'm just trying to gain weight. And Liz is like, what do you want for Super Bowl? And I'm like, everything. <laughs> everything. I want beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, <laughs> lamb, rams, dogs, turkeys. You name it. The 9 a.m. don't get memes. Let me just tell you, I like my 11 a.m. crowd. They don't get memes. You want to be a heavyweight? You want to be a heavyweight? You want to walk in the room and the shift of balance? I'm not talking about personality. I'm not talking about personality. I'm talking about presence. You know, when you grew up, maybe some of you grew up in a, like a healthy family. Maybe you didn't, that's <laughs> his laughter over there. <laughs> He'll redeem it. Uh, break a generational curse today. And the patriarch or the matriarch walks in and it's just something just settles in there. Kids can be fighting. And, oh, oh, hold up. Daddy's home. There, there's weight in that relationship. There's authority in that relationship. That's what it means to walk in the glory of God. You walk in, and it might be petite little you, but there's something on you. There's the atmosphere of heaven. There's the aroma of a life dedicated all into God. And when you walk in, something just stabilizes, and something shifts in the atmosphere of the room. And I'm not talking hyper-spiritual. I'm just talking about where you walk, you represent God well. Because you're living your life not for your own acclaim, but for the glory of God. You want to carry weight? You got to love. Secondly, you got to love what God loves. You got to love what God loves. What does God love? He loves, he loves people. God loves people. First Peter 4. Are you called to help others? Rhetorical question, the apostle asked us. Do it then with what? Here's the all in. It's not just for God. It's all your strength and all your energy that God supplies, then what? Then God will be given glory in everything you do through Jesus Christ. We say here at Kingdom City that people are the promised land. We're not just after job promotions. We're not just after healthier marriages. We're not just after raising great kids. All of those things can glorify God and are vital and important, and you can have them, but you'll have them when you focus on what God's heart is focused for, and that's the loving of people. Jesus adds to that 
first great commandment that we read earlier, when we're all in on God, he says, if you're gonna be all in on God, then you also have to be all in on everyone else. He says in Mark 12, the second command is equally important. Think about that. As much as it is to love God, it's equally important that it is seen in the way that we love, that we love people. Because if you love what he loves, if you love him, you're gonna love what he loves. And it's not just our wins that glorify God. Don't discredit yourself because you've been through some things. In fact, there's not a person on the planet apart from Jesus that ever walked a perfect life. And even your past and even your pain and even your problems, when they are handed over to him and he redeems your life and gives you a testimony, even from some of the tests you failed, it begins to speak of his goodness because that's what the grace of God is all about. Because God doesn't just use our momentum. He can also make miracles happen after our past mistakes. It can become the greatest ministry in your life. Who better to help an addict than someone that recovered from addiction? Who better to help someone through a broken relation than someone that overcame a devastating divorce? Who better to over, help someone overcome financial problems than someone that hit rock bottom and maybe declared bankruptcy and then begin to honor God and God showed them how to build right again and they grew in strength and stability in that area of their life. If don't waste your struggles. God will use it. Even your pain can be praised to God and help solve other people's problems. But self-righteousness steals God's glory. When you act like you did it all yourself, it is not God's glory. It's everything about you and not about and not about him. And when we do that, we don't want, when we don't love what God loves. We don't do it the God way. There's another Hebrew word that's scary. It's the word Ichabod. Remember Ichabod Crane? I mean, he's not a real character. Not a real friend of yours, he's in a book. But remember, he's like the scary creature and it's a scary word. Ichabod means the glory departed. And I would just say, I never wanna see a season of my life or because I got my heart off of what God's heart was after, that the glory of God lifted. And the sad thing about some people is the glory of God is gone and they don't even know it. They're going through the motions again, but they've disconnected their heart from him first, all in, and then loving for what he loves. Good news about it, that has been your story. Maybe the Holy Spirit's working in your heart even right now in just one moment of grace and one moment of repentance and one moment of turning. You go from inward focus to outward worship and you cross the line and say, it's God's glory or nothing at all. And you're right in that place where the glory is not departed. It's arriving again. Because when you care about what God cares about, you begin to carry weight. The kavod of God comes on your life. And if we care about what God cares about, then we're going to honor what God asks of us. Third thing is we're going to obey immediately. We're going to be the people of quick obedience. Quick obedience. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said this in John 17. I brought glory from you in heaven here on earth by doing everything you told me to do. It's not just a praise, it's bringing solution to problems. It's a posture of us serving the world around us, of living for God in a world gone, gone wrong. Jesus' son obeys the Father. I know when my son, when my son obeys, the other day I, w I made a little bit of example not, uh, of just him in his room. I just showed him that the clothes on the ground are about three and a half feet. It's like two strides for me, three strides for him from the hamper. And I just let him know, hey, this isn't, this isn't kavod, this isn't heavy. This is easy. One, two, three, drop. He's like, dad, I get it. I get it, dad. The next day I came up and everything was there. And I was like, the glory of God is in this place. <laughs> I was, actually, I was actually so excited. Smallest thing. And do I want him to put his stuff away? I mean, it takes me one second. It's not hard for me. Because, guys, the obedience isn't about me. It's about who he is after he's not in our home. It's about him taking care of his stuff. It's about him realizing that not everything that you want and all your friends have, you're just gonna have immediately. That there's, uh, there's some things, you, you, you don't get your allowance unless you do the things that have been asked of you. We don't get all of our allotment of what God has for us unless we learn to obey. It doesn't mean we're not forgiven. It doesn't mean we're not saved. It's just we're not becoming more like our Father when we don't follow his, his ways. John chapter eight, Jesus says, if you continue, it's not a one time to obey my word, you are truly 
my disciples. We see it as quick obedience and it's continual obedience. That's why in the Great Commission, it's not just preach Jesus. It's yes, share the gospel, make disciples, Matthew 28. And then Jesus says, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And when you obey and what you obey, listen, it shows what you really believe. It shows what you honor. It shows you what you put value on. It shows you what you put weight on. And when we look at the world that is focused on self, we're gonna get the culture of the world, which brings struggle. But when we obey him, we get the culture of God, which brings glory to God, which brings some weightiness on our life. There's probably one or two areas of your life that right now the Holy Spirit is just prodding at your heart that this needs to get back into alignment and obedience. There's just one area or two, and it's not a dramatic change for most. It's just a little shift of your heart and a little bit of a repentance moment, which means I'm changing direction. And you go from self to serve. In that moment of obedience, God shows up because you don't want the gears to come grinding to a halt because the anointing oil quit flowing because you quit obeying. Too heavy for y'all are tracking. I cannot believe I'm out of time and we got a lot of people to baptize, so let me hurry up. You guys get anything good out of this? Second Corinthians 3.18, we reflect the Lord's glory. I talked about earlier, you could see it like the sun rising that God spoke into existence. Well, in many ways here on the earth, we're more like the moon. We don't really have our own glory. We surely didn't create our own giftedness. We didn't choose the families we were born into and the inheritances we might have received or not received. But what we can do is reflect the sun. What we can do is give light to the dark times. And this is why we are alive on the earth today that the sun is still shining in these dark days, that Jesus is still on his throne, and we reflect the glory and the goodness of God to a world in darkness. This is what it means to be a city on a hill, is that we live different because we're built different because we obey different. Because we just say it's about God's glory or we don't want to be about it. It says we're being transformed when we reflect God's glory into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, it's all by the work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says we're like these earthen jars. We're gonna break and fall apart, 85, 95 years old. These vessels don't last for forever, but inside of us, he pours in a glory that far outweighs it all, uh, this precious gift. And the more broken, or I would say this, the more humble we are, the more the glory of God goes out to the world around us. Fourth, I gotta go quick. We're here to reach the lost. We don't just obey just to obey. We obey because we're showing the world a different way. St. Arrhenius said that the glory of God is a man fully alive, fully alive to Jesus, fully alive in his life, fully alive in the leadership of his family. St. Corinthians 4, and God's grace brings more and more people to Christ. There'll be great thanksgiving and God will what, receive more and more glory. You wanna know an easy way to give God glory? Go invite your friends to come experience Jesus. Share your story with someone else. Witness to the world around you. Engage with people, even in their problems. Pray for people and you glorify God. And how we deal with the unbelievers is not in judgment or condemnation or criticism or attack, even when they do it to you. We respond in love. And what do we do? We just tell them the good news. That's all we do. Why are we different? Why do we obey? Why do we live different than the culture? Why? Because Christ has changed us for forever. First Peter 3, always be ready to answer anyone who asks you to explain the hope that you have within. Hey, everyone else is worried about the hard times at work. Everyone seems exhausted by the season, yet you've got a little just there's a gravitas to you there's a weight to you you just walk in a little bit with your shoulders back and everyone else is scared intimidated insecure what's different oh i got a hope that this ain't it i don't get the promotion i don't have a job next week i got a provider i've got a king on the throne it doesn't matter who the ceo is in in this uh in this hostile takeover no one can take over my heaven no one can take over my king. And so I've got a hope that isn't in what other people can do. My hope is in what God's gonna do and how God's gonna show up. It says we do all this with what gentleness and, and respect. Fifth one, and it's a little different, but just track with me. We're gonna yoke ourselves, connect ourselves, team up. Come on, that's an old farming term. We've looked at it in the unity 
unity uh, is our strength message to the right people, which might mean I gotta disentangle, disengage, at least from a proximity, closeness. I gotta team up with what God's in and what God's about. Remember the unity we talked about, the Belgian workhorse that by itself can pull the most weight, but with two together, it doesn't just add, it multiplies. But if you get the ones that were born together, raised together, they're a matched pair, it's like a 6X power. It's the same when we're born again and we're believers together and we're in for the glory of God or nothing at all. When we team up with those kind of people in the house of God, we carry more kavod. We push more weight. We go farther together. That's why Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. You're actually graced for it. In fact, one of the translations that Paul, it talks about church people, he calls them yoke fellas, which I just thought those were the buff guys at the gym, the yoke fellas. No, it's about this church family that's in this thing together. So Hebrews 10 says, let's not give up the habits. This is a holy habit. You are in it today. Well done. Of gathering together. And so let's encourage one another all the more. All the more, the Bible says, as the days grow darker, we gotta team up even more. So we want the glory of God in this house or nothing at all. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Philippians 2, it's not on the screen, just in my heart. Don't look out for your own interests, look out for the interest of others. And this is where we model that. We model in our kingdom cruise, we model at our Bible study, we model in our house of hope serve days. This isn't about us, it's about people, it's about God's glory. Second Corinthians 9, last verse. They'll give glory to God for your obedience to the gospel, the gospel of Christ, for the generosity that flows out of this house, the generosity that's produced by our fellowship, by our community, by being yoked up with the right people towards them, and towards all. So what are we doing? We're going all in for God. We're gonna love what he loves. We're gonna obey immediately. We're gonna reach the world around us. We're gonna reach the lost. We're gonna be yoked together with the right kind of people. We're gonna go, we're gonna love, we're gonna obey, we're gonna reach, we're gonna be yoked. G-L-O-R-Y. Okay, I'll be your cheerleader up here today because I know this message is not something in a moment it might inspire, but I need you to digest it throughout the week to meditate on the glory of God. Am I going all in? Do I really love what God loves? Is it seen in my immediate obedience? Do I, do I really f live my life to reach the world around me? Am I teamed up with the right kind of people? Or am I being torn down by those that I'm closely connected with? And if we would live for God's glory or nothing at all, we might not see it next Sunday, we might not see it the week after, but it will not be long that in the praise and the aroma that we create through our surrender, our sacrifice, and our serve, for our holy devotion unto God, that not only will the praise and honor and glory go up, but the atmosphere here will forever change. And I'm believing for a church that changes the atmosphere of a city, that we impact and reach a city that impacts and reaches the world, that we influence the people that influence the world. And you might not feel like you have much, but you know what? None of us apart from Christ have anything that is lasting. But if you have Christ, you have everything you need to glorify God right where you're at, as humble and as meager of this season, as blessed and as significant as you might be right now. When you learn to get it right and flow in the right direction and the weight transfer is on you and your self-importance, but it's on God and his glory, then heaven begins to invade your life and heaven begins to invade this house and the aroma of heaven just permeates in this room and people walk into this place or they encounter you. That's, my more, that's the one I like the most. And there's a weight transfer that wherever you show up, because you don't show up, it's just who you have been or the family you were born into. You come in as a born again son and daughter of God that carries the glory of God on your life because you said it's God's glory or nothing at all. And if we live like that, oh, we will see the glory here and forever for the eternal. Can we carry more weight? Can we put it on his shoulders? Can we be the people of praise? All in, go all in. Love what he loves. Obey immediately. Rich lost. Team up, yoke up with the right, with the right people. And not only will your life give God glory, God will bring glory on your life as well.
me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for every heart, every life. Thank you for this church family. I thank you for those watching them in Lansing. We're none of us are in this alone. You're with us, you're for us, but we've also put us with a family of faith. And I thank you that in this house, the culture of the kingdom of God would be the atmosphere, would be the expectation, would be the environment that we create, that you create by your spirit through us. And God, I'm asking for more of your glory. Before service began, I was on my knees and I said, God, would you just not anoint me, would you anoint this church? Would you flow in this house? And would we give you all the credit and all the claim and all the praise? Would it never be about us or Kingdom City? Would it always be about your kingdom and it coming to earth? And God, I thank you that our hearts, as you're perfecting that which concerns us, would get this one thing right, that we won't live for our own acclaim, our own praise, our own self-righteousness. We don't want the glory to depart. We want the glory to fall like it never has before. So we want to praise like we never have before. We want to love what you love. We're all in for all that you have for us. Help us reach the lost. Help us obey quickly. Help us live differently than the world. Help us team up with the right people. Help us be united as a church. Let us demonstrate the culture of the kingdom of God to a world that's lost because there is a real way, a living way. There is a hope in heaven and it's here on the earth for them if they would receive it. Stay in this moment of praise, moment of prayer. If you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus, Today's your day of new beginnings. Today's your day of salvation. Maybe you have before, but you'd say, like I spoke about earlier, you drifted, you drifted. It's time to go back, get back to him first. First and foremost, it's about him, coming to him. He's not the one that went away, you did. And acknowledging that is a moment of repentance, which brings change, brings redirection. It brings renewal, it brings resurrection life back into your life. And so if that is you, either one of those, you've never said yes to Jesus, and in just a moment we're gonna pray a prayer. It's a believer's prayer. The prayer doesn't save you, Jesus already has you. The prayer is your faith declaration and that you're putting your hope all in on him. You're going all in on his grace and that it's more than enough to save your life and to save your soul for forever. And if that's you, and for the first time, or to come back home to him first, I wanna pray with you. I'm not gonna make you stand up. We're all gonna pray together as one family of faith. But if that's you, first time decision, or return to him, you just lift your hands and say, Pastor Kyle, that's me today. I need a fresh beginning. It's one of you. Anyone else? Two of you. One last moment, lift your hand. If that's you, I need a fresh start with Jesus. Three of you, four of you, awesome. Five, that's great. Six, thank you, thank you. Beautiful. Let's pray to this prayer together as one big family. Come on, everybody, even those online, let's say it all out loud. There's power in our unity. Say, thank you, God. Oh, we do better than that. You're going to be louder at 5.30. Say, thank you, God, for your incredible love. You love me so much. You sent your one and only son. King Jesus died for me, rose again to give me new life. I repent from my mistakes and from my sins, and I turn to you. I receive your grace. I believe I am forgiven. I am set free. I'm your son or daughter. Thank you, Jesus. My life is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Kingdom City, can we celebrate what heaven celebrates? We're so proud of you. Hey, listen, listen, listen. We got some next steps for you in just a moment. But today is a day unlike every Sunday, about every two months or so, we have baptisms. And so could I grab that packet? There are several people, I think right around 30, that are coming already prepared to be baptized. Um, but I wanna give an opportunity for those that didn't prepare. For some of you, you know this is your next move. You're not all in on God yet because you haven't been baptized. Jesus says, this is a step that we take. It's this beautiful, it's not a ritual. It's a revelation of what God has done in you to the world around you that we go into the water that represents we're dead to our old selves and we come out resurrection power alive in Christ. And so there's people in this room and you know God's been stirring your heart from even the moment you knew there was baptism today. And maybe when I talked about being all in on God, you haven't, just haven't, haven't checked that box of a public declaration of your faith. Listen, as much as we would love for your family of origin to be here and some of them are to celebrate those that already came prepared, it really isn't about a family decision, it's about the family of faith. 
Okay, and I don't say that to put your family down. I'm just saying when you're born again in a local part of a local church, this is your spiritual family. This is about a saying I'm all into the world around you. Now I'm here, I'm gonna tell you this really clearly. Some of you are gonna go into the water and there's still some big issues in your life that you gotta work through. I'm not saying you're going in, coming out, and all of them are gonna change immediately. I'm saying your heart and your mind are set is that I'm all in on God. And that God's word becomes my way. And I'm gonna need his grace and I'm gonna need his mercy, but I'm not going back to self. I'm all in on him. And so if you did not come ready, we actually have clothes, we got a pair of underwear you can throw away, or you can keep, if you're balling on a budget, dry them out later. We got stuff for you to do your hair. We've got towels, we got everything you need. We make it as easy as possible for you to make this step. But this next step for some of you isn't easy. In just a moment, I'm gonna count to three, and it's not to hype up the moment. It's just to give you a line in the sand. God's glory or nothing at all, and you gotta decide if you're walking across it or not. And if you don't, there's no judgment here. There's just a decisive moment that you gotta make for yourself. We say destiny is a daily decision, but this day is a bigger decision. It's I'm no longer living for self, I'm living surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. This is big, this is kavod, this is a heavyweight moment. And so there's 30 plus or so that have said yes, and there's some of you that you're gonna stand up because inside of you something new is coming alive and you cannot go back to who you used to be. You're ready to become all that you're called to be in Christ. So one, you're saying, I'm, I've given my heart to Jesus. Two, you really are pondering this moment of pressing in to being all in. Three, you're saying, I surrender my life. I'm not going back. It's for God's glory or nothing at all. If you came ready to be baptized or today, you're gonna join in this unexpectedly, but God had designed today as a day of destiny for you. And you're ready to go public with your faith. Everyone, whether you're prepared or you're ready to do it impromptu, would you stand to your feet if that is you and today is your day of decision? Today is your day of all in. Is there anybody joining in? Come on, Kingdom City Church. Let's celebrate. Anybody else says yes to Jesus? Come on, don't miss your moment. This is what God has for you. We are so proud of you. Hey, come on, we can do better than that. This is the real win of the day. Hey, Landon's got some next steps, but what we're gonna do, you're gonna go right out to here, is that correct? Yes, right out to the back. So those with t-shirts and those that don't have, we got stuff for you. Come on, are we so proud of her? God's touching her heart. You're gonna walk right out here. We'll take care of your kids. We'll bring them in if you want. We're just gonna have a quick discussion with you, get you what you need, and we're gonna baptize in just a moment. The rest of you, why don't you stand? We're gonna take 90 seconds to worship. Come on, let's give them some glory for a moment. And if you could stay and celebrate here, we'll have it up on the screen. Let's celebrate everyone in this moment. This is a glorious moment, amen.